somebody and they said that you're really good at complimenting me when they listen to my when they listen to the podcast. Mm-hmm. And then they were like, but I've only listened to one episode. And I'm like, okay, well, then you don't know <laughs> if I'm actually good at complimenting her or if you just only have that experience with the one episode. Oh, my God. That's actually hilarious. And I was like, but I feel like I should apologize that, like, I don't compliment you enough during our episodes. Mm-hmm. No, you're fine. And, and so, like, you know, I want you to know that I think you're doing a great job. But if it doesn't come up during the episode, that's because you're a dick. You're shit. I mean, it's it. Look, it's there's nothing I can do about how bad you are at this show. It's first grade SpongeBob. Hey, everybody. I'm Chase. And I'm Chloe. And welcome back to Back to the Pilot. Today's episode is not about the families we're born with, but instead the ones we get to choose as we discuss that 70s show and cheers. So sit back and relax as we take you back to the pilot. Chicka chicka. Bow, bow. Oh, wait, that's... <laughs> is that... Oh, wait. Is that copyright? Uh-oh. That was good. The, I liked it. The song from uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's copyright, actually. I'm sure it is. There's no way it's not. But if I did it with my mouth and it wasn't that notable, maybe not. True. We don't get paid for this anyway, so does it really matter? Yeah, this isn't. We're not monetizing. Yeah. Um, all right, Chase. So, what do you know about the TV show Cheers? Uh, so I know it's about a bar. Yeah. And uh, this, this. So my friend told me this fun fact about Cheers, and I don't know if it's true. Uh, so you tell me. But I think he said that the creator grew up in Redlands, California. <laughs> And the bar was based off of some place in the town of Redlands. That is not true. That's not true. <laughs> no. He All did right. grow See, up in Redlands, told- but he did not. That's not based off of a bar from his childhood. That's it. Was it would have been the University of Redlands, the town? Oh yeah, no, it's not. But it's not either way. No, it's not. I don't. I don't know. Then that's all. I. That's all I thought. I mean, I that that's Turns like a- all I know is that it's about a bar. That's definitely like a fact that seems like it could be legit, but it's it's not, unfortunately. I'll be sure to tell him that he's wrong. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, one thing I will say before we actually get into this is I had a really hard time finding consistent information. Um, there was a lot of stuff that like one site would say this, one site would say that. So I ended up diverting to a lot of interviews with the creators because – it was just there was just like between the I mean obviously Wikipedia is not that reliable in general but like between that and some of the other sites that I was looking up stuff for this show it was just like kind of ever changing so yeah it's highly possible that he got on one of those websites or whatever or someone else was on one of those and it was lied probably about some it. article that that he read that was like made for Redlands people because mm-hmm. he's from Redlands so. Mm. That's why he thinks he knows that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I guess it could have been an inspiration, but no. I mean, you'll find out. You'll see. Okay. We'll see. We'll you'll see. talk about it. And uh, that's what I'm going to do right now. That's a good idea. <laughs> that's a great idea. Okay, so the title of the pilot episode is Give Me a Ring, Give me a ring Sometime. Uh, the pilot episode released on September 30th, 1982 on NBC Network. 
And then the places you can watch it are Paramount Plus with a subscription, Hulu with a subscription. It's available for purchase on Amazon, and it plays on reruns on TV all the time. Uh, I watched it on Peacock. I was just about to say, I realized I didn't write down Peacock, but that's because Paramount Plus and Peacock are... We had this discussion not that long ago. Wait, what? Paramount Plus and Peacock are like partner, somehow partner things, because there's a lot of... Like, you can watch... You know how, like, uh, we were talking about how the... Star Trek. There was it had to have been last episode because Star Trek you can watch on Peacock as well, but all of the Star Trek stuff is on Paramount Plus. Yeah, I didn't even know. I I watched the Star Trek stuff on Paramount Plus. Yeah, so um, it's like a so whole... I didn't even think about Peacock, but uh, no, that's that's interesting. I actually didn't know that. Mm-hmm. But ironic. Well, it's not really ironic. It makes total sense. But they filmed the entire show of Cheers on the Paramount lot, so I mean, it checks out. Makes sense. Yeah. There you, you go. Know? Um, and then the creators' names are James Burroughs, Glenn Charles, and Les Charles. <laughs> I hate the way that that guy's name is because it's like it's like Les, but less, but it's like weird, and it's only one S, and it just sounds right. like there's Glenn Charles and then the lesser Charles. <laughs> there's yeah, there's, we got more Charles and we got less Charles. Exactly. Um. <laughs> it's like the Wright brothers. Okay. Maybe it's more like French, like Les Mis. It's Les Charles. <laughs> That's just confusing. Then what's his first name? No, it is his, his first name is Le. Is Le. Le Charles. It's a Le Charles. Okay. The series synopsis is the regulars of the Boston Bar Cheers share their experiences and lives with each other while drinking or working at the bar where everybody knows your name. And then the uh, pilot episode synopsis is Diane Chambers makes her home at Cheers when her fiance leaves her. <laughs> so sad. <laughs> so true. That's so yeah. <laughs> I am now a regular patron of this bar. And not that she's a regular patron, she works it, but like the way that it sounds, it's like she makes her home at this bar because her life is in shambles. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Okay, so a little bit of backstory on the creators. Why'd you get British? I don't know, Chase. Because <laughs> I want to make this edit long, the hardest edit of my pause. fucking life. <laughs> I, apparently, just, I just want to make this the hardest so one for me. <laughs> I hate myself sometimes. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> the creator's backstory. A little bit about the creators, because I fucking said that in a British accent for some reason. Okay. <laughs> a, little about, a little bit about the creator's uh, backstory and history. So, you have James Burroughs, who uh, was born on December 30th, 1940, in Los Angeles, California. He is, was the son of Abe Burroughs, who was a well-known composer, director, and writer, and he was most known for writing the original Broadway play How to, How to Be Successful in Business Without Really Trying, which I'm pretty sure, didn't Nick Jonas do that? Like, the re, they did, like, a oh. reboot of it? I can't yeah, remember. Yeah, I was going to say, that sounds really familiar. Yeah, I mean, it's a play that's been redone over and over again, but he wrote the original one that was on Broadway. His, oh, fa- his cool. father did, not James, but his father, Abe. Um, as somebody who studied business, I mean, it's, I mean, do you really need to try? I mean... I mean, 90% of Americans <laughs> study business, so I'd say no. Yeah, exactly. See, you get it. He gets it. Sorry, I was sneezing when I muted myself because I'm a good person. <laughs> Honestly, I was surprised I couldn't hear that you were about to sneeze. That was impressive. Thank you. I'm working on it. <laughs> you're, well, you're welcome. I'm working on the complimenting thing, so. Well, there you go. Um, okay, so yeah, so his father was uh, Abe Burroughs, and we discussed who he is. His family moved to um, New York 
uh, when he was a kid where he ended up attending New York High School of, of Music and Arts. He went to, and then he went on to graduate from Oberlin College, and then from there he went to the graduate program at Yale for, uh, at the Yale School of Drama. Um, obviously he was pretty much set up to work in the, like, entertainment industry, regardless of, like, what area he ended up working in, just based on his father's life in general, and then clearly from, since he went to a music and arts high school, which is very, like... That's very specific, especially for like he what he would have been in high school in like nineteen fifty five ish. It's kind of a interesting time to go to a music and arts high school. I don't know. Anyway, yeah, that is a little bit, well, especially because we've been talking about a, a lot about older shows recently, and mm-hmm. that period, that era of time, has been historically dead. I mm-hmm. guess for yeah. just like entertainment when it's like yeah it just it wasn't like a like a thing you pursue but i guess it's like having a father who is clearly very successful uh in in the entertainment industry makes that a far more feasible job than to someone whose parents are you know a broker it definitely sets you up for a more realistic view of the entertainment industry that's for sure Anyway, so after he graduated from Yale School of Drama, he went on to, uh, he actually went back to Los Angeles, um, where he became employed by, uh, as a dialogue coach for OK Crackerby, Crackerby, which was- I going to say Cracker <laughs> I almost said Cracker Barrel. <laughs> <laughs> so he worked as a dialogue coach on OK Crackerby, which I don't know what within his education made him qualified for that. Like, I could not find anything on that. I just found it really interesting. But, yeah, he worked as a well, diet. Yeah, I mean, not to undermine, you know, being employed in the 50s, but, like, it wasn't – you didn't really have to be qualified for very well, many jobs to work in those positions back then. Yeah, and even more so, just a little information on the OK Cracker Bee, it was a TV show starring Burl Ives and was created by his own father. So... <laughs> oh, there you go. Yeah, but it's just like a weird... as any To get hired as anything, like within the entertainment industry, it's so weird to me <laughs> that you would, as like... If I was the, his son, I'd kind of be like, hey, can I be in the writer's room? Or like, I don't know, just dialogue coach is very weird and specific. Maybe his dad was like, fine, I'll give you a job. You can be dialogue coach or whatever yeah i don't know i I truly don't like i said the research for this whole show and these guys was like a very very hard hard probably one of the hardest i've had of any of the shows i've done um so yeah anyway so burroughs then went on after that he went on to be a stagehand for a failed broadway show that his dad had actually put together but that is where he had met um mary tyler moore and then from there, he went on uh, to write uh, – He oh, actually, sorry. He wrote – after that show, the Broadway show, like, I don't even think it had an opening night failed. Like, that's how bad it did. Um, but after that, he wrote – he worked on, like, something – I can't even, I didn't write it down, but he worked on something else. And while he was working on that, he wrote to um, Mary Tyler Moore and her, her then-husband, Grant Tinker – who mm-hmm. were running MTM Enterprises, married Tyler Moore Enterprises. Uh, and he basically wrote them narcissist. being... <laughs> I mean, for a woman back then, nah. That's, like, totally valid. No, yeah, that's right. That's to- yeah, completely valid, I guess, yeah. I mean, also, it's just valid in general. Like, Shonda Rhimes Productions, get it, girl. True. You built an empire. No, that's Shondaland. I know, but still, Shonda, fine. It's still, but, but it, like, it's still one thing Sh- to have it, like... <laughs> 
a variation of your name. It's another thing to just have it be your name. I mean, technically, it wasn't her name. It was well it was called MTM Enterprises. It wasn't called Mary Tyler Moore Enterprises. It was just oh, called I MTM. But I was just I, I was saying the MTM. I mean, right. technically, no, I sure, I it's it not now. technically short for anything, but it technically is because it's MTM and <laughs> it's Mary Tyler right. Moore's it's company. Her initials. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but like the production company, like if you were to look at a business license it would say mtm production yes exactly um anyway so he wrote her and her husband and basically asking for a job and they ended up hiring him on as a director for the company and he went on to direct episodes of the mary tyler moore show and the bob newhart show newhart yeah i said that right jeez yeah um, so he was credited like while he was doing these shows he is actually also he was so that was kind of, sorry, I'm going to back it up here for a second. So that's like his early life career leading up to the creation of Cheers and everything, right? Worked on that TV show as the first thing out of college with his dad. And then he worked on a failed Broadway show as a stagehand. So he was, you know, he did a lot of interesting stuff within the film industry or entertainment mm-hmm. industry, sorry, entertainment industry. And then he was hired on, you know, by Mary Tyler Moore Enterprises, MTM Enterprises, to work on her show and then the Bob Newhart show. Um, and he kind of just blossomed from there. Like, it's also during a time where it's like, once you're in with a group or a production, a set of productions or production companies during this time, especially, you were kind of good to go. You're, you're pretty much like, especially because he had his father as a as a backing for him as well. Right. He was kind of once he got that directing gig for for them, it was s- not smooth. smooth. It, I was going to say smooth sailing, oh. but it's not necessarily <laughs> smooth sailing, but you're you're not searching for jobs that often. Right. Um That's fair. but one of the things that he is most like known for um and is credited with is that he's one of the first uh directors, sitcom directors to increase the typical multi-camera TV show from three to four cameras, which is a pretty big deal because that's like a whole other set of technology that you have to set up and have. So I just right. found that really interesting. Well, it changes. I mean, just uh, it not only does it add angles, but it also changes how, how you have to film it, right? I mean... How you can film it, how you can block it. It changes like a whole aspect of, of the uh, the set and, and all that yeah, stuff. So changes the production. Yeah, exactly. All right, so I'm going to move on to uh, the Charles brothers. So you had I'm going to kind of I'm doing them together because almost everything I researched with them was them together. So you have Glenn Charles and Les Charles. Uh, Glenn was born on February 18th, 1943, and Les was born on March 25th, 1948, and they were both born in Henderson, Nevada. Uh, they both attended the University of Redlands. Um, so I think that's where uh, your friend. Because they t- attended Re- the University of Redlands, but they didn't grow up there. Right. Um, okay, yeah. So, so that's what he said. Sorry. I think I was mistaken when he said grew up. When I, I think – well, and I think I said something about childhood too, so I was also off. Um, I just – I had known uh, – never mind. It doesn't matter. I'm not going to go down this tangent. Either way, so they both <laughs> – this, this is a podcast about tangents. I know, but I'm already – yeah, it's fine. Okay. Uh, so they both attended the University of Redlands. Glenn graduated in 1965 and Les graduated in 1971. Um, Glenn being the first out of college, he actually started his career in advertising as a copywriter. But um, when Les graduated, he decided to go straight into the entertainment world and television. And Glenn basically followed suit with him. 
Um, so they both actually began their TV career. T- well, they both began their TV careers as writers for the show Mash, which we actually have done. Oh, mm-hmm. cool. Yeah. And so they worked on MASH, and then later they moved on to work on the Mary Tyler Moore show, Phyllis, and the Bob Newhart show. Um, Phyllis was a spinoff show from the Mary Tyler Moore show, uh, which actually is where uh, James Burroughs and the Charlie brothers, the Charles brothers, met each other. Um, so, is well, Phyllis the name of one of the characters? I don't know, actually. I didn't do much research into that. Uh, That's but... fine. It's not your job to do research on that show, but... It might be one of the characters. I, I imagine it was, especially since these are all names of people for these three shows, Mary Tyler yes. Moore, Phyllis, and the Bob Newhart. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, and then after those shows, they went on to be the head writers and producers for the show Taxi. So Burroughs and the Charles brothers then met on um, the Mary Tyler Moore show spinoff Phyllis in 1975. Um, Glenn and Les were story editors while James, uh, was a resident director for the first year, which like being a resident director, I don't think that's, I don't know that that term is a thing anymore in television really, but it was like, it was how he was hired by MTM Enterprises to be a director for these shows. So it was the same case. Yeah. Um, so that was kind of the case. Basically being like a contracted director for a specific episode, he was... He's, like, set to be a director for a specific amount of episodes on a show. Gotcha. Or, like, an infinite, I don't know, an infinite amount, maybe. Um, but then, uh, as they were uh, the head writers and producers and story editors on Taxi, James was then hired, like I said, as a resident director for the first year on uh, Taxi. So, yeah. So then they worked on Taxi together. Um they had already met numerous times before and they had always talked about, I'm kind of kind of get into how they came up with the idea for cheers and all that stuff now, but they had, uh, I'm going to do some quoting of an interview with James Burroughs. Cause this is like yeah. I said, struggled a lot with trying to find information. And so I'm just going to take quotes directly from the interview. So there can't be <laughs> discrepancy on whether or not it's true or right. fake information since I had a really hard time kind of deciphering some of that. So this is just some information about how they came up with the idea of Cheers from an interview based off of an air interview with James Burroughs. So in this interview, uh, James Burroughs described uh, Cheers as Cheers was about the words. We all talked about the idea. We all talked about the characters. And then the boys, referring to the Char- Charles brothers, went off and wrote a script. We always knew we wanted to do a show about a sports bar, but we but now we were now we were responsible. We didn't have Ed or Jim or Stan, which those were the showrunners and like the main creators of Mary Tyler Moore show, Phyllis and Bob Newhart show. Um, so they said we didn't. Uh, but now we were responsible. We didn't have Ed or Jim or Stan. We were doing this show on our own, so it was our baby, and it was an experience I'll never forget. It's still my favorite show I ever I have ever done. I really gotta, I like that. It's yeah. my, still my favorite show I've ever done. Mm-hmm. I like really ran out of breath at the end of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I get that. Sometimes so, when I'm doing a quote, you don't know where to breathe because you're like, I mean, this is a full like thought. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and then just to kind of go on with that, uh, he said, we wanted people even in areas where drinking was frowned on to want to come to this bar because it wasn't about the, bo- because it wasn't about the booze. It was about the camaraderie. And then they said it in Boston. Glenn, and then, so this is where the they came up with the 
perfect picture of the bar. Their biggest thing, right, is like they didn't want it to be about the bar, the booze, or sorry, about the booze, but about the camaraderie and the design and look of the bar was like their most desired thing. Um, Mm -hmm. So with that, Glenn Charles had called... um, had called James Burrow at 2 a.m. his time, which was 5 in the morning on the East Coast, and he was still in a place called Bolin Finch. And uh, the exact quote from Glenn Charles was, uh, I found the bar. So he he found the exact bar for the design that they wanted to do. He did it. I did it. I found the bar. But it was like it was 5 a.m., and he was still able to be there, and it was like that the vibe that they had been desired and desiring and looking for, for the entirety of like the creative oh, yeah. coming up with this show. And then he says about the, just the, how they created the bar. He said, so we had a, uh, we had this downstairs entrance. We had this big square bar at the center, which made the set seem smaller because it was this huge thing. Then it had, then I had the whole hallway behind George went that gave in, gave it depth. And we had the back pool room. And then finally he goes on to finish saying, they well, because they while they worked on taxi, they had a lot of damage control that they had to do, um, because just things were not things didn't they didn't have a lot of control over the creative aspects of that show. That's why Cheers was their first show after Taxi that was like theirs solely that they were allowed to do whatever they wanted with it. So he said we had so much more influence than we ever had on Taxi, where we were just doing damage control. Uh, Cheers was all our ideas, all of all of our love, all of our humanity poured into the show. So, like, I don't have much else on the actual creation of the show because they had. And what was so funny is I was like, did they have to pitch this to anybody? Did they have to do this? There's nothing. There's no information on the internet about that. And I was like, well, maybe if because they had Taxi and they had Mary Tyler Moore Show and all this stuff, they were just like, you know, given this show by the network, but. The Mary Tyler Moore show was on ABC and the and Taxi was on CBS, so and this was on NBC. So it definitely wasn't that, but I think mm. just by this time they all had the credits and probably the references to back them up that yeah. they were it was a good but enough idea. Like a, they it's liked hard to it. turn them down. Yeah, and it's like I mean, what are the odds it fails kind of thing. Um so, like, I don't even have, like, a what obstacles they may have had for creating the pilot because it's just, like, there's not all that much information about it. Um, what I do have, though, is kind of about how the pilot episode was received. So it wasn't actually received well from, like, a Nielsen ratings standpoint. There weren't, like, you, you didn't really have customer reviews at this time. You just had critic reviews. So... It didn't do well as far as the Nelson, the Nielsen ratings. Um, they ranked 77 out of 100 shows that week. And uh, like overall for the whole first season, it, the show ranked 74th out of 70 shows for the year. Or for the season. 70. Wow. That's so, 74th out of 77. <laughs> okay. Did I say 70? Uh, maybe you said 77, but I interrupted right before I heard you say seven or you like cut out on my end. Oh, okay. But, uh, I heard 74 out of 70 and I was like, wow, that's, 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 that's kind of bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, 74th out of 77 shows, um, for that season is what they, like the overall Nielsen ratings rank. And if you don't know what Nielsen ratings are, it was, I think that still kind of exists, but at the time it was a, 
um, it was the way that I think it was an actual box that you that people would get to connect to their cable box and like to judge how much of a show or if a show even got watched by those people in that yeah. home. Yeah, so, I don't know much about it, but I feel like it was it was kind of the way of giving people ratings as though they were the viewers. Like now we have things like Rotten Tomatoes to mm -hmm. tell us this is the audience score. Like, yeah, here's the critic score, but here's the audience score and stuff like that. Um, I imagine it's probably similar to that. And I, yeah. I don't know if it still exists. I, I don't know. Uh, I, really I feel don't. like the rating system still exists because I feel like we've talked about Nielsen ratings about more recent shows that it's we've probably done. just more digital in general because you can track right, like that stuff digitally whereas like back then you needed a physical box to like track yeah. those those things so uh, yeah i was just gonna say that it's it's probably just uh, just another like yeah here's our ratings but it's more like a critic's ratings than an audience score like we have now yeah exactly anyway so yeah it didn't do great as far as nielsen ratings but it was actually critically acclaimed like it the critics loved cheers absolutely fucking loved the show um they loved the first episode they loved the first season and that continued to be the case for the entirety of the first season but the critics don't speak for how much money you make it doesn't speak for the general public right so mm -hmm. having bad nielsen ratings is kind of a a death sentence for a show However, um, the support of the NBC's president of, of the entertainment division, Brandon Tartikoff, I think is how you say his name, T-A-R-T. Brandon Tartikoff? Yeah, I think that's how you say it. So he, uh, he was really supportive of the show, and it's thought that his mass amount of support for the show and desire to keep it going is the only reason the show even got a second season, um, which is crazy considering the show ended up running for 11 seasons is still to this day known as one of the best sitcoms of all time. Like, yeah, it's just wild. And it's, uh, that's like one of those things that's so fun to think about, about just the fact that a show that is so revered and known now to have always been revered was not, especially in the first season, the mm -hmm. only season it really, truly not like it doesn't matter your ratings and stuff throughout your next seasons because plenty of shows get canceled after a couple of seasons. But like a pilot season, if you don't do well, is pretty much a death. Right. A, it's a death sentence for the show. Um, totally. But yeah, so that's kind of all. Do I you got know if? Um, sorry, I was just going to ask. Do you know if Cheers had any spinoffs? Um, someone I think there's like thoughts that Frasier is possibly a spinoff of Cheers somehow. Oh, I think I've heard that theory before. Yeah, I didn't do much research into it because I like James Burroughs also worked on um, after Cheers. He worked on uh, he worked on Friends. He worked on um, why am I blanking on the show? Will and Grace. Thank you. God. Okay. He worked on Will and Grace. He worked on Dharma and Greg. So it's like he worked on a lot of other like sitcoms after that. Um, and he also sorry, he also worked on Frasier. So there's like Frasier popped up as like a. When I was doing my research, Google did an autofill of "Is Frasier a spinoff of Cheers?" Um, but yeah, I don't know for sure that they had any spinoffs. Mm -hmm. But interesting. It's just you normally see with shows that run that long that there's some kind of spinoff. Uh, whether it's like, oh, we decided to make a made-for-TV movie, or we decided to uh, do a spinoff of one of the characters, or. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, we decided to do a reboot sequel of I mean, shit, the show. Friends even did it, right? They made Joey. Yeah, exactly. They made. I mean, 
there's just so many so many uh shows that do that so like it's honestly surprising to me that a show that would run for 11 seasons has no spinoffs yeah i don't know yeah and the whole reason something i was reading is like the whole reason the show even ended is because ted dancer was just like i'm just kind of done with this like he was done and he was like i'm ready to be uh written off this show and they were like well there's no cheers without the fucking bar owner so right (laughs) there's no cheers without sam so we're just gonna end it which i mean it's 11 seasons what is this Grey's anatomy we don't need to keep going like come on yeah i mean there there are so few shows that need to keep going after 11 seasons yeah i don't know if there's any show that i would think should go past 11 seasons i mean i don't watch Grey's anatomy but (laughs) <laughs> I can't imagine that it, it got better after its 11th season. Uh, it definitely has like a season that's good and then a season that's bad. Like it, it's, it, they really yo-yo with, uh, right. they're good and bad. So, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, like even my favorite shows, like I'm glad they ended after eight or nine seasons and I'm yeah. like, that is enough. And like, I love it. Uh, and this is a bit of a tangent, but um, no. Psych is my favorite show of all time, mm-hmm. uh, which we've talked about. Uh, but it it ended after eight seasons, but it's also got three movies now. And so it's like they keep telling the story, but in in like less in less less often, but still significant ways. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So I just think that uh, that's an interesting thing to me that they wouldn't have. Yeah. I mean, we've talked about it. We talked about it when we did The Good Place, but like it's just like knowing when a show has reached its full potential and like when you can kind of wrap it all up, like the good place did it so perfectly. They reached their potential. They hit it. They only needed four seasons. There's literally nothing more they could have done that could have like, they could have dragged the show on and it wouldn't have been as good, but they, they knew what was what. So totally. And I, I think that, um, stay on topic with that. I mean, uh, new girl did the same thing. Mm -hmm. They didn't stretch it at all. And they had a great epilogue season. So yeah, Exactly. Um, anyway, I'm going to bring us back into Cheers real quick. So just totally, some, some final things I'm going to touch on is uh, just kind of the actors. So this show was always meant meant to be like a uh, – I didn't write the quote down, but it was always meant to be a story kind of about the people at the bar, but primarily this story between Sam and Diane. Um, mm-hmm. It was – the that was the core people they looked for. That was like the group – they're the two the set of actors that they knew had to be had to basically carry the show as far as it's like big meaty storyline stuff of it all. Um, and then you had your just extra characters around it, right? So in an interview with James Burroughs, just talking about how they came to be like how they found their actors for Sam and Diane. So he says, it was sheer luck that these actors were available. We had three couples audition for Sam and Diane, Fred Dreyer and Julia Duffy. William Devane and Lisa Eichhorn, Eichhorn and Ted Danson and Shelley Long, who Ted Danson and Shelley Long were the ones that ended up becoming Sam and Diane. Uh, James Rowe then says, all three had major pluses, and there there were some votes for Fred, some votes for Devane. I, I personally thought Shelley was the clear best for Diane, and then we just said, let's go for the upstairs, let's go for these people who seem to be to have a chemistry together. So we did that. So basically, Fred could have been a good Sam. William Devane could have been a good Sam. But like the two other women that auditioned for Shelly just didn't really hit. And they didn't have mm-hmm. the same chemistry that Ted Danson had with Shelly. So he was basically like, we're just going to 
go for the ones that have the best chemistry and like are great actors and the clear choices kind of thing. So, yeah, I mean, what? Because why wouldn't you, right? Like, yeah, that's if that's if this is the story, this is the plot. If you have bad chemistry or if you don't have the best chemistry, it's it it's going to fall apart a lot easier mm-hmm. and it's not going to be as relatable. So, yeah. So that was just, I found that interesting. There wasn't, I didn't look up anything else kind of about the, uh, the other actors that were hired on, um, for the pilot episode, but yeah. And then just some other shows that were on during this time, family ties, the Jefferson new heart, the Jefferson's new heart, which was a spinoff of the Bob Newhart show. Mash was still on three's company was on and taxi was actually still on which was the show they had all worked on prior to mm-hmm. uh, they had pr- basically ha- I read something that they had handed off pretty much all showrunner and all directorial stuff off to um, other people um, for the remainder of taxi. So yeah, that's, that's what I got on cheers. Unfortunately, not a whole lot, but not nothing. Not nothing. That's for sure. <laughs> anyway. uh, anyways, <laughs> Supoilatives. <laughs> I think we get into the superlatives. Let's do some superlatives. So I think this is the most good. accurate we've had to call it a superlatives because this is set in Boston. True, very true. It's science. Um, okay. You start. I'm gonna take us away. So, favorite character for me was Coach, hands down. Your favorite character is Coach. My favorite character was Sam. That's fair. Sam was great. I just loved I Coach. Love, I, I mean, I love Ted Danson. I do. I, I do. Love I Coach. same. I. I. You know it, and it sucks because Coach actually the guy who played Coach passed away. Uh, I think with the, somewhere, but I think into the second season, um, he actually passed away. But I just loved him. I just I love Coach. He's just so such a goofball, and he's like he, I can't remember what his name is, but when he like answers the phone, he's like anybody here named this, and <laughs> Sam goes, like "You are Coach," something or something like that. <laughs> yeah, he's like Ernie Wellaby, and he's like, "You are Coach," and he's like, "Oh, that's right." Speaking, <laughs> <laughs> it's not my favorite part, but it, I just loved it. No, I, I mean, I, similarly, like it's not my favorite part, but I love the parts where. He, just at the very beginning where he's like, you hear about the Patriots? They drafted a freaking linebacker. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I heard linebacking turn the team around. And somebody's Maybe like, you're right. they don't need a linebacker. They got tons of linebackers. Ah, oh, you're right. Yeah, I love it. I <laughs> like love it so much. Just going back and forth on it. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, yeah, my, my favorite character was Sam for sure. But uh, that's fair. I think that's a, lo- a lot of that is because Ted Danson. I don't know yeah. if it's mo- as much because it's character. Um, but I do love he, he very the very witty dry humor that mm-hmm. he gives off uh, in in that episode. Mm-hmm. Okay, so then my least favorite character, Diane, hands down, it's fucking annoying. I think I I think I'd agree. I had a hard time choosing the least favorite character. I I did like like them all, but um, like I know she's uh, necessary, I I but I just didn't Diane. like her. She just bugged me in that all first right. episode. I mean, I've seen more of the show uh, in. This like, is the only episode gets... I've seen. Yeah. I don't know if I should say that. This is the only episode no, I've seen. I mean, it's... Not that I don't know if I should say that. I should say that to preface my decisions for these superlatives. That's fair. Um, but I would I would probably agree uh, just because you said it and I had a hard time thinking one, so I didn't have one written down. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> it works. It's fine. <laughs> Um, okay, cool. So then my favorite part was I had two. Um, so I had one, my, one of my favorite parts is when everyone welcomes Norm, 
right? Because it's so iconic. No. But then I also love like in that same bit when uh, he's, you know, when Sam's like, what do you know, Norm? And he's like, not a lot. I love that. But um, doesn't he say not enough? Oh, not enough. Sorry, not enough. Yeah. Um, but then my I other love, second, love <laughs> my other second favorite part is where Diane is talking about the poem that her fiance said that Sumner said, and then she goes, she's like, says it like she's like, oh, that was done or it was done, and Sam goes, I sure hope so. <laughs> <laughs> I love that part. Uh, my uh, my favorite part was when um when Sumner comes back. And she's like, oh, I'm caught in this argument about the sweatiest movie. And he just has an answer off the top of his head. He's like, oh, Cool Hand Lou. And everybody's like, ah, Cool Hand Lou. <laughs> cool Hand Lou. I'm like, oh, that's that's pretty funny. Yeah, that is a I good one. I think that was my favorite part. That's a good one. I just, like to, just to have like that off the top of your head in the middle. Of, like you walk into a bar and mm-hmm. you're like – like everybody's talking about this and you're like, Oh, I know exactly what, I know exactly what the sweatiest movie is off the top of my head. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and then my least favorite part is actually when Sumner leaves for the second time, uh, to go get the ring. And Diane's like, even has a, the fact that she even has a small inkling that he will come back. I just hate, I think that's why she ends up being my least favorite character. Cause it's like, she's just so naive. To the point of like, really? He just came back, said he was he was actually still in love with that woman, and then he kissed you and was like, you know what, never mind, you're right, like we're I love you, blah blah blah. Oh, and then she calls and she's willing to give the ring. Wow, I'm gonna go pick it up right now. It's like she, there's no chance he was ever gonna come back, and her like lack of awareness for that was just so irritating to me. Yeah, I mean I I did not pick a least favorite part. I honestly, I, I had a hard time picking a least favorite part because uh, I like it just felt so fluid, the whole episode to me. And and you say that like that those are the reasons you don't like Diane. I was like, those are the kinds of the reasons that I kind of like Diane's character um, because she's more of an optimist. But I wouldn't uh, even say it's optimistic. I think it's just ignorant because it's like she wasn't... That's fair. Because she, she's like also horribly rude i don't know she's just horribly rude to everyone there right so it's just maybe i'm just ignorant (laughs) and i identify with diane (laughs) maybe i don't know but it was just yeah i don't know that that part just bugged me because i'm like girl he he ain't coming back like come on (laughs) no way you're this naive like density yeah maybe uh i don't know yeah i had a hard time picking a least favorite part i will say i the end that um where she's sitting down and talking to the talking to the first like her first customers as like, it's just that that sort of I, I get it, it's supposed to be funny that she's doing that but that kind of fell fat fell flat for me yeah it definitely fell flat for me like um, and then they don't so, speak english and like i get what they're trying to do but it, yeah it, yeah i could agree with the flat the flat fall in there so, so if i had to pick a least favorite part i think it'd be that scene at the end there mm-hmm. yeah all right and noodle stars i uh I was stuck between a five and a six. I didn't think it was seven quality, um, though I was like entertained and all that throughout the whole thing. It just like not all of it. Like by the end of it, it didn't necessarily make. And granted, I've watched more of the show, but like by the end of the first episode, it didn't really make me want to go back and watch more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I had a similar thing where it's like, yeah, I enjoyed watching it, and I gave it a five out of seven. Uh, but like you said, I I don't know if it didn't hit as much for me and uh 
it did let it didn't really want to make me go watch the show. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. like, it's so not I, a terrible I would, I would show, agree with just... a lot of the points that you just made. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. Fucking better. Cool. 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 <laughs> cool. 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 All right. That is yeah. Cheers. <laughs> but... <laughs> nope, that's not our theme song. We can't use that. <laughs> no, I mean, just but overall, like, a, 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 I mean, I was just going to do like an overall, like still a good show. It's just not necessarily maybe and maybe it's a time thing. Maybe it's it's doesn't really snuff up to it is. It's it, it, it just doesn't like hit, the, hit as well now jokes. that it's 2021. But uh, yeah, yeah, maybe that's it. Still maybe a good it's just show, not though. as uh it's not as much of a um i'm trying to think of a word the only word that comes to mind is perennial show it's not an evergreen it's not an evergreen show it can't be played at the time (laughs) remember that time you you learned that word (laughs) on our podcast on our podcast yeah yeah good times good times times. it's a good show but uh let's talk about your show now let's do that all right chloe so tell me what do you know about that 70s show um the most not, not oh, just a random show in the 70s like gotcha. the show the show that, that 70s, 70s show you know what's so funny is for the longest time i i used to think it was called that so 70s show oh, not like, like that so raven yeah but it was like i watched it before that so raven so it was like <laughs> i don't know why i used to think it was called that so 70s show but i did so that's one thing i know that it's not called it's called that 70s show <laughs> Um, no, but I mean, um, for the most part, I, I watched the whole show. I loved that show when I was a kid, um, when it was out and, uh, that's pretty much all I know about it. I'm like, I know the actors and that kind of thing, but as far as the creation of the show, oh, the one thing I do know is the whole Mila Kunis thing where she was like, actually only like 14 years old, but she lied about her age that I do know. Oh yeah. Yeah. I've heard, I've heard that and read that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I I I'm a not in the not in a similar situation. Like I've seen the show and I enjoy it, but uh, the only things I really know about that seventy show is that Mila Kunis thing and uh, the show about life in the seventies made in the nineties that was popular in the two thousands. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yep, checks out. I mean, um, I had also, all of the seasons on DVD when I was in high or middle yeah. school. Oh wow! Okay, I, I watched didn't it early watch on. It on DVD today. No, no, I I purchased it because I was so fucking lazy and I have I honestly have no idea where those ones are. So, yeah. Well, with that said, we'll uh, we'll get into it here. So a little bit of a summary. So the episode title is That 70s Pilot. The release date was August 23rd, 1998 on Fox Network. uh, And you can currently only watch it. It's available for purchase on Amazon Prime Video. Uh, and as far as I know, that's the only place it's available for purchase. You can't purchase it on iTunes, YouTube, or uh, like the Google Play Store. I, mean, I think you can purchase the DVDs somewhere, but yeah, I'm sure you could like find the DVDs on Amazon or uh, maybe at a thrift store. I don't know. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it's so weird to um, me that it was on Fox, but it's not on like any of their streaming services. Right. Well, it was on Netflix for a while, but it recently got taken off. Oh, that's um, probably why it's in between might... syndications then. Uh, and I might get to why that is oh, in a little bit, okay, but I'll shut uh, up then. you go. Uh, but I also, it's also technically there are reruns on Laugh TV Network, but literally never uh, Laugh heard of TV that. is <laughs> Laugh TV is only available through like select cable and TV providers. 
like cable and satellite TV providers. Um, uh, and it's in some places it's available via like antenna television. Uh, and it's also available to stream on Sling, Laugh TV Network. Hmm. But, so basically it's just um, easier to purchase it. It's much easier to just buy. It's like $3 on Amazon or for episode. $30 for a yeah. season. Yeah. Um, but it's a good show. So, I mean, honestly, I, I would say that it's worth the $30 if you're interested in watching it for the full season. Definitely worth the $3 to watch the first episode. Uh, so all of that said, the synopses of the show are, or the synopsis of the show is a comedy revolving around a group of teenage friends, their mishaps, and their coming of age set in 1970s Wisconsin. And then there wasn't really a synopsis of the episode on IMDb. There was a summary that somebody else had written. Uh, there were two summaries that somebody else had written, so I took the shorter of the two that I felt was more uh, consistent with just the pilot episode rather than just the full show. Uh, that summary reads, Eric, Fez, Kelso, Hyde, Donna, and Jackie all hang out in the foreman's basement and smoke weed every once in a while. Eric's parents give him the keys to the Vista Cruiser so he and the gang drive to a concert against Dad Red's orders not to take their car out of town. That's uh, a pretty, pretty and, good gist of the episode. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and it was created by Bonnie and Terry Turner and Mark Brazil. Um, so a little bit of the background on those creators. Similar to uh, the Charles brothers that you were talking about, Bonnie and Terry Turner I will talk about together because they all these get talked about together. The f- sheer fact that we just have such weird coincidences happen in our episode, like when we pick episodes without any fucking idea that that's going to happen. Exactly. It's insane. It's crazy uh, how often that's that, happened. I was like, that's so funny to me. Yeah. But um, Continue. But Bonnie and Terry Turner are a married couple that, that do writing together. I Honestly, I could not find a lot of information on either of these people, which is, for me, a little bit of a good change of pace considering how much information I found on the creator of Star Trek for our last episode. Um, Fair. So it was a little bit nice to have a, a li- less information to read through. But here's what I do know about Bonnie and Terry Turner. They started as writers for SNL. They were writers there from 1986 to 1992. And also between the years of 1987 and 1995, they were responsible for screenwriting or writing six films. Now, the sentence said six films and then listed five films. So I don't know if that was a typo. Classic. Or (laughs) if there's a sixth film that I could not find anywhere because I looked it up. I was like, which films are they? I couldn't find it, but those films, those five films are Coneheads, Wayne's World, Wayne's World 2, Tommy Boy, and the Brady Bunch movie. So Maybe like they did pretty, the Brady Bunch 2 movie. Maybe it was. <laughs> um, so, But like, all things considered, I know Coneheads was a bit of a flop, but the rest of those were fairly successful. But it's so funny, because I just, I have such fond memories of the Coneheads, like skits and movie. I just I, I would have never have known it was a flop based off of my experiences with it as a kid. Right. Well, and based on my experiences with your family, uh, I would have thought that Coneheads was a much bigger success. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, our family tends to like stuff that the general public seems to not. So <laughs> we're just different, I guess. Um, <laughs> we're just we're just different. Uh, and then lastly, they also created and wrote for the show Third Rock from the Sun, which is where they met uh, the other creator, Mark Brazil. So a little bit about Mark Brazil. He was born in Dunkirk, New York in April of 1962. And he created and wrote the show Third Rock from the Sun with Bonnie and Terry Turner. Uh, now, I, there was also 
not surprisingly, not a lot of information about Mark Brazil on the internet. But one of the things that I will say is his Wikipedia page had two major things on it. It had his biography and a section called Conflict with Judd Apatow, which I thought was hilarious. What? That's interesting. So so I just wanted to, like, this isn't really that much related to that 70s show, but I think it's funny. Uh, So apparently he conflicted with Judd Apatow on the use of Topher Grace in Apatow's show Undeclared while Grace was still active, uh, was still actively a cast member on that 70s show. So this was like, uh, like right after the show came out, like the year 2000 or something. Um, Wait, sorry, Topher Grace was in John Apatow's show? Topher Grace was in that 70s show and Apatow wanted Grace to be on the, to be on Undeclared. Got it. Okay. Um, so this I mean, was that's a, after that Grace had already been on that 70s show for a couple of years. Yeah, okay. Um, so apparently this conflict initiated a string of heated emails between these two. Uh, and that those emails um, were apparently leaked and widely circulated online. I assume I was too young to be involved in that circulation I mean, and understand yeah. that the leak of these emails. But... In the emails, uh, it came up that Brazil claimed that Apatow had stolen his idea for a comedy about a rock band uh, and then used it on the Ben Stiller show in the early 90s. Uh, And the sketch that was used on the Ben Stiller show was called The Grungies, which is a dark parody of the Monkees television series focusing on an outrageous grunge band. So That's super specific. But I I just think it's so funny that... that I just think it's funny that Mark Brazil's thing is like, here, look at him. He created Third Rock from the Sun and that 70s show. And also he had this huge conflict with Judd Apatow. And those are the only things that are on his Wikipedia page. And I couldn't find much information about them other than that. That's so like funny, but also just really interesting that like this guy, <laughs> it's not like a claim to fame, but his Wikipedia page, <laughs> like... I, it, I mean, he's big, created big two. He's life. created two really fairly big shows. I mean, Third Rock from the Sun wasn't that big. I I vividly remember it, but like that seventy show was on for a while, and it's like a very yeah. iconic show. So it's just crazy to me that there's not a little bit more about him outside I, of that. I, I thought the same thing. So, uh, so similar to you, I had to get some information about the creation of that seventy show more from, uh, and like interviews than uh than like actually looking up like articles so uh in in an interview with the la times brazil and the turners mentioned that they focused on two shows that were uh inspiration for that 70s show uh those two shows were all in the family and roseanne and it wasn't so much that they wanted to copy those shows but it was it was more so that they wanted to emanate that feeling of the family aspect within these characters uh and and that sort of like you know being friend being like so good such good friends with people that they're practically family so they kind of wanted to emanate that those family aspects from both of those shows uh brazil also mentioned that um the setting uh is loosely based on his own experiences growing up uh instead of wisconsin he grew up in upstate new york um he had a really gorgeous next door neighbor who was uh, similar to Donna. Uh, he also had a ditzy friend who was obsessed with sex, a la Kelso. I just and, love the um, a la Kelso. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
and uh, his siblings, who are fans of fans of the show, say that uh, Eric is a funnier version of him, and think that Eric looks a lot like how he used to when they were younger. So, uh, I guess that seventy show is kind of like a show about his life, but just not actually about his life. Just a funny version of uh, his experiences, which I guess is fair. I mean, you know, we inspire we're inspired by our life experiences, yeah. so. We what we we write what we know. We write what we know. We write what we know. Couldn't have said it better myself. Um, all that said, I I don't have much information on the actual production of the show. Uh, like I said, I I couldn't find that much uh on on the internet regarding articles. I mean, even the Wikipedia pages for the show and and the creators were uh, fairly slim when it comes to how the show came to be. See, this is just another um, weird thing that like somehow happens to be very similar between our two shows. Like just yeah, the pure exactly. fact that we didn't have a whole <laughs> lot of research to go on. Right. So and it's like, you know, like you look at the backgrounds for Bonnie and Terry Turner. I mean, with with all those movies and the SNL like writing credits and then with Third Rock from the Sun, it, I guess you could just make make the connection that. Yeah, I mean, they were pretty successful and those those credits probably gave them like a, a bit of a leg up on on finding a like like selling the show so yeah uh um i will say that uh there were a couple other working titles for the show uh so there's these are a few that that i pulled uh teenage wasteland was an idea for the for the title the kids are all right feeling all right and reeling in the years isn't there a uh, show called are, the kids are all right um i don't no, I swear to but God, I do know Chris. that and I, think it came uh, I didn't, I didn't read anything movies. about that, but I do know that all of these titles are references to 70s songs um, uh... in some way. Uh, at least that's what that's what I that's what I read about them. Uh, but eventually uh, or so. Sorry. So I'll go on due to song rights refusals the, and, and Fox Networks deeming feeling all right, less than memorable. Uh, Co-creator Bonnie Turner suggested that the show be titled that 70s show after she heard an audience member say something along the lines of, I loved that show about the 70s, uh, because the show was filmed in front of a live studio audience. So, No, that's really cool. Um, so I, she I, heard an audience say, member say that, and she was like, actually, that's that's perfect. And so that's where the show's name came to be. I love uh, that, actually. That's super cool. <laughs> it's, it, it's so perfect, right? It's just like, yeah, it's literally just a show about life in the 70s and growing up in the 70s, so... Um, it's just that 70s show. Mm -hmm. Sorry, just something interesting. When I searched The Kids Are All Right for like looking on IMDb real quick, that 70s show was the second thing to pop up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a two movies, though, that are called The Kids Are All Right. I think that's why I thought one of them I've seen with Mark Ruffalo and Julianne Moore. So I think that's why it, was, oh. it sounded familiar yeah, that, to me. That might that might have been it. That's, um, yeah, that was definitely it. Anyway, that continue. That was definitely it. Uh, so... Uh, so I couldn't really find much about the actual critics' reviews of the episode, but as far as the show goes, and more specifically the first season, uh, I think it ranked 49th for the season among all shows, and uh, the first season in total brought, or I don't know if it's in total or average, but I assume it's in total, 11.7 uh, .7 million viewers. Um, and it it was pretty consistent on the Fox network, just even over the course of its entire uh, series, it was fairly consistently around that 
middle mid like mid 10 i'm uh, not tens i don't know what the word would be mid 100s because it's not 100s like 50 ish i guess uh it was never the best show on tv it was never the worst show on tv i guess that's one way to put it um but uh the show ran for eight full seasons it ended in may of 2006 uh it inspired a couple of spin-off series one called that 80s show which only ran for one season uh, but it's never also heard of that <laughs> ever i never heard of it either but it also inspired netflix to attempt another spin-off series titled that 90s show which was announced in october of 2021 so that might be why it's sort of in between syndication right now uh because netflix has that 90s show as a new as a new original series coming out Oh, okay. Uh, so I'm wondering if that might be the reason for that. Yeah. Well, and, and one thing I do know about that 90s show is that uh, they've already signed Deborah Jo Rupp and Kurtwood Smith to reprise their roles as Kitty and Red Foreman. Oh, I mean, uh, that's an instant. Then that, I mean, come on. That's like already better than that 80s show, I'm assuming. Yeah. I mean, they weren't in it. That's funny because they're, they're the only two listed on the IMDb page. But, I mean, Kitty and Red are so fucking iconic, though, too. Oh, so so iconic. Like, the um, amount of time. The only time when I was a kid where I was allowed to say ass in front of my parents was because I was quoting that 70s show. <laughs> don't say the ass word. <laughs> Eric, um, don't say the ass word. Uh, I will say, I tried to look up how they came up with the cast. Uh, like, how they were cast. Like, who... Did, did they like have a ton of auditions? Did they already have people in mind? Like what was up with that? But I couldn't find anything. Like the only, every time I tried to look up, like how did they cast that 70s show? All it is, is the cast of that 70s show then and now, what are they doing now? Yep. It's been 15 years. What's up now? Like all of that. And so it's like, I can't find anything about the actual creation of the show and where they found these kids. But, yeah. Except for um, the whole whoever Jackie found them, Mila Kunis thing. Yeah, I mean, that's the only thing I know, and that's just because that's, like, a story that's been uh, circulated, sort of circulated around the internet. Yeah. Um, uh, a la last couple things. I mean, the show, while on the air, was nominated for 16 Primetime Emmy Awards, but it actually only won a single award for uh, Outstanding Costume Design uh, for a series, which was in 1999 hmm. for an episode titled That Disco Episode. Oh, uh, I remember that episode. <laughs> it was also nominated for a large number of Teen Choice Awards with both Ashton Kutcher and Wilmer Valderrama winning on three occasions. Not surprising. Um, not surprising for either of those. No. Uh, uh, I will say that I didn't do a lot of research on this, but the cast, you know, it, it reminds me of Friends where you're like, the cast didn't really go on to do much. And then you start thinking about the individuals and you're like, oh, no, they went on to do that. Oh, but they also went on to do that. Oh, they also went on to do that. You know, like, mm. like it's similar to me and Friends where you're like, oh, yeah, Jennifer Aniston's easily the most famous Friends cast member that's gone on, like, since the since Friends has ended. And then you're like, no, but then, they, you know, then they had this. And oh, David but then, Schwimmer you know, Matthew Long. Perry went, oh, David Schwimmer did this. Cougar oh, Courtney Town. Cox went on to do this. You know, so Lisa it's like, you start, done a lot. I, yeah, so I feel similarly about the kids in this show. Yeah. Like, I mean, oh, what, Donna Butcher was is in the most the famous. Black. Oh, but yeah, you're like, you're like, oh, yeah, but then Donna was in... Um, I forget her. I forget her name, but but Donna was in Orange Juice and Black. She's in How I Met Your Mother. You oh, had yeah, Topher Grace to want go on to do a few movies. Spider Man. Mila Kunis like obviously Venom. went on to do a ton of movies. Uh, uh, oh yeah, Topher Grace. Hyde kind of got got wrapped in the uh, Me Too movement. 
though. He was on uh, the ranch, I think, for a little bit with uh, he Ashton was on Kutcher, the ranch, yeah. but he got he got annexed, I believe, by the Me Too movement. I didn't. I didn't hear about that. I didn't follow much of the Me Too movement. So I mean, I just remember my mom used to watch the ranch, and I just remember there was like a thing that she was the one who told oh, me because yeah. there was like a thing that came out about he was no longer going to be on the ranch. Yeah, well, I mean, like, yeah, all things considered, it's it's just one of those shows where it's like, oh, yeah, those they went on to do other things. Mm-hmm. Uh, so really, I mean, a great cast. They worked so well together. And yeah. I mean, well, I was going to say Red uh, and Kitty also were well established before that. They were mm-hmm. like Red was in RoboCop. He's the main bad guy in RoboCop. Yeah, Kurtwood Smith. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, Red. Forever no, Red. It's Red Foreman. It's Red Foreman. <laughs> but yeah. Um, oh, and, and the other thing is, is just that uh, it was uh, I thought it was interesting was that this show touched on a lot of um, uh, it just it touched on a lot of topics that were like popular in the 70s or that were uh, like big conversation this in the 70s, which I found is kind of interesting because by the late 90s, a lot of those things became less uh, less taboo, I guess, to talk about. Uh, so it, it's. I find it like it's a great way to do sort of uh, social commentary on a on a like like in a hindsight sort of way. Yeah. Uh, so I I, think I mean that's very interesting. But even the but fact they, that they mentioned the car, right? He's like, "Is that your Toyota?" And then like Kitty makes a face, and he's like, "Yeah, well, it is the gas crisis." Yeah, exactly. Like, the last time I was that close to a Japanese machine, it was shooting at me. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. So it's just like like being able to do that and make it a a show of its time and also a show set in tw- set twenty years before it came out. Um, I think is just it's very well done in that aspect. Fair, I like it. Also, one last thing, I nope, was you've reached your limit. No very, more things. <laughs> nope, you're done. <laughs> Time's up. Uh, uh, yeah. One last thing before we get to the spoilers. Um, <laughs> the uh the show ran for eight seasons and i don't know much about i didn't know much about the show so i was like did it run into the 80s what years was it set in so i looked it up and so the the show's pilot episode is and its first season is set in 1976 um in i think in the third season it transitions to 1977 uh, and by the fifth season, it's 1978, and it's pretty much 1978 to 1979 over the course of the next, uh, or over the course of the last few seasons. And the show ends uh, what, as they count down the new year into 1980. Mm-hmm. Well, it's funny too because uh, like I really like that this show. I feel like a lot of shows do like a year of high school, and then it's like it's done. It's like so much actually happens in a year that it is so easy to spend numerous seasons on one year. Mm-hmm. It's like so much shit can happen in a fucking month, like let alone yeah. a year. So I, I like that they kept it. I mean, obviously you couldn't change it when you decided to name the show that 70s show. Maybe if they had named it something different then they could have gone into the eighties, but yeah. The late seventies, early eighties show. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. As, and I think when you're telling it about the past, it's a lot easier uh, than if you're telling it more as a current show. Uh, you know what I mean? 
Yeah, but it's like even something like where these guys are in high school. If you want it to last, you got to make sure that you're not going through a whole year in one season. Whereas it's like a lot of shows that do that where it's like, all right, like the first season is freshman year. Second season is sophomore year. It's like, so you really only can get four seasons before the fucking show's going to suck. It's right, like, but most of the shows are set uh, currently in that. Yeah. Like they're set in the present day that they're filmed. And so it's hard and to I think say they're that fucking like, it up. oh, yes. They, well, so they set it in the sense that like the show airs in August and then uh, they they talk about what's happened over the summer. And so that's essentially filling you in on the gap between the end of last season to the beginning of this season. Right. Yeah. And that's I mean, kind I of guess their way of each season you in, rather can't than have a showing you what episode. happens. Yeah, that's fair. Sorry, I was totally talking over you. But yes, you're fine. I was just saying, I mean, it's like a lot of shows also just like to have their holidays, like part of the, their seasons. And you can't do that if you're not going through an entire year on the season. That's true. So. Does, I, I haven't watched much of it, but honestly, I'm, I might. Uh, does yes. that somebody show have a lot of holiday episodes or? They don't have a crazy kind amount. Because I, I know for avoid. a fact, I remember one that they have in a later season. I think it's supposed to be when they're seniors, though. They have a, they get a keg and they have a Christmas party at Dad's, at Hyde's dad's house, or Dad's apartment, or whatever. What um, are they celebrating? They're having a Christmas party. Oh, gotcha. All anyway. right. So, uh, superlatives. Superlatives. Anyone? Anyone? Bueller. 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 Um, I'll go first. Okay. Uh, because you went first last time for your show. Yeah, and that's but how we literally character. do it every single time. <laughs> <laughs> So no, I'm saying mine it. first right now. <laughs> uh, my favorite character was Eric Foreman. I you love and the Eric's main characters. Character. You're you're a main I, character okay. kind of guy. I I am a main character kind of guy, but also I just love Eric Foreman because in a similar way, he's just it's very witty and sarcastic humor, and I identify with that sense of humor because I have that sense of humor. So that's fair. So I I just like those characters a lot more. That's fair. Whereas my favorite character was Hyde because I love that he's like, you can do this for me and go get us the beer. Get the beer. <laughs> and remember, cold. I just love cold. like, like Kelso's, Kelso's a little too derp to derp for the first, like, for especially this first episode, but definitely first season. He's a little too derp to derp, but my, my, my in-betweens are Hyde and uh, Donna because I just love how Donna's like, she's awkward, but she has a little bit more confidence than eric yeah and so it's like a little bit cooler (laughs) yeah she's like a good in between of like hyde and eric honestly Mm -hmm, but definitely uh my least favorite character was probably jackie easily not not even a fucking question she is the worst in the first two seasons she's just like she's young well she's a bitch but she's also i think the fact that mila kunis was so young she can play that character in all honesty the most authentic because she's she's pretty much that age she's the age that jackie is yes that's true because she was playing a 14 year old a freshman right yeah and she how old did she say she was do you do you remember oh she said in the in the uh, audition they asked her her age and she said that she was going to be 18 <laughs> she's like well i'm not wrong she's not wrong she will be 18 eventually at some point, <laughs> unless she dies early but she didn't so yeah so she was 14 so she was literally the age of jackie so it's just the the fact that she was that age and she was well, she's supposed to be a fucking spoiled annoying brat anyway but mm-hmm. i think she her authenticity of it is uh yeah of playing the youngest one in the group 
by actually being the youngest one in the group. Mm-hmm. Kind of like a, it, it's kind of like that. Um, I'm hot shit because I'm young, but I'm hanging out with the older older kids. Mm-hmm. You know, like that that sort of. But she also vibe. has the like. I mean, you said she's hot shit, but she has like the entitlement of it too because of her mm-hmm. her dad's status. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, by far the um, my, worst character. Yeah, yeah. The yeah, definitely least favorite. favorite. Sorry, least uh, favorite, not worst. <laughs> my favorite part. Uh, I went. I went back and forth on this one because I picked two. If I, it helps. So yeah. <laughs> well, so I I love the part when they're. Uh, when Eric's actually getting the beers during the party mm-hmm. and his dad's like, uh, yeah, just take the beers, go put them back. And um, then his mom picks up two beers and hands them to him. And she's like, oh, these are warm. Go put them back in the fridge on your way back to the basement. And he just runs off. That was the first one I picked, literally. When, uh, I just love Red how He's just like, what do you got there, Eric? He's like, beers? I just found them. <laughs> he's like, well, put them back, son. And oh, Eric, can you take these? They're warm. Like, can you take these down to the cooler downstairs? They're warm. And he just fucking sprints off. He's like, I got him. <laughs> and it's just like it, it. It's such a. Um, it feels like such an accurate representation of high school kids trying to steal alcohol from their parents, especially when like, their parents trust them. Yeah, exactly. And more more often than not, that's the case. And so it's like, like they're super nervous and they're like, Oh man, I don't know how I'm going to get it. I'm going to, I'm going to get grounded for life. And they go up there and their parents are like, Hey, here, uh, can you take this back to the fridge for me? And mm-hmm. then just leave them alone. <laughs> yeah, literally. <laughs> it feels so, it feels so d- done so well. Now the one that I actually wrote down, uh, which I think just barely gets it for me is Eric when he's high talking to his parents about, uh, getting the car. And just the the background is like moving, at, like to like resemble that he's high, and they're just yeah. coming in and out of the scene <laughs> talking to him. Yeah, that that's that's one. the part that I actually wrote down. But they're both so good. Yeah, I mean, so I do love that part, but the, and obviously I agreed with you on the beer part. The second one I had picked was the voiceover part, which honestly I picked this because Alyssa brought it back up, and I was like, damn, what really is my favorite part of this episode? And Alyssa was like, well, this is a good part, and I was like, you know what, you're fucking right. <laughs> but it's the voiceover part where like Jackie's like I'll just call my dad and they're like you can't call your dad because parents talk and then they do the like yeah. whole voiceover thing and then I just love how it ends where it's like hey everybody let's do the hustle and then they're like they dissolve into them all doing the hustle they're all doing yeah. it I love that yeah you're I right that's it. such a good part yeah so we can actually thank Alyssa for that one Yes, thank you, Alyssa. Yeah. Uh, all of that said, I didn't write a least favorite part down. Oh, really? I wrote any part with Jackie. <laughs> any part with Jackie? <laughs> I said any parts yeah, with I... Jackie. If I had to pick a specific part with Jackie, it's the part where she's like, uh, lit, like when they're watching the Brady Bunch and then my, uh, Kelso mentions the concert and then she's like, what concert? And I just like where she just like invites herself. I'm just like, fuck off. Uh, I I would say that if I had to pick a part, it'd be the part at the end where um, she like uses her attractiveness to trick Kelso into staying with her, kind of thing. Yeah, that would be up there too. When they're in the car. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. She's very manipulative for her age. Yes, exactly. So uh, I don't know. I I I mean that might be too personal. She gets better. Pretty manipulative. I met I was I knew I, I knew some pretty manipulative high school girls when I was in high school. But <laughs> everybody does. 
Yeah, girls can be manipulative. So can guys. So can guys. I, Anybody I can be manipulative. Well, in high school, if we're being honest, girls are a little bit smarter in high school, so they have the yes, knowledge to be more manipulative. Idiots. Guys yeah. are idiots in high school. Yeah. A la Kelso. A la Kelso. Yeah, so. Um, Noodle All stars? that said, I gave it six out of seven. Oh, same. God, we were very oh. in sync with this one. Yes. Honestly, I find that we're in sync a lot. I mean, I know, but this one in know, particular, really... like you literally <laughs> picked, like you picked the fate, like the same favorite that I like the first favorite where it was like kind of an alternate favorite. Like you picked mm-hmm. that same one as well. So I don't know. And I think it was similar um, with the kind of with the whatever. It doesn't matter. Go we ahead. had the same least favorite character, same favorite part. And uh, I don't know. I didn't pick a least favorite part, but like both of ours included Jackie if we had to pick one kind of thing. Um, uh, but I, I was going to say, you know, you don't really start a podcast with somebody unless you, you sort of know them really well, at least in our case, or you we do in, and you're we just started dumb. the podcast after we knew each other really well. And I mean, so we've literally our known interests each other are always pretty life. in line. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> I mean, we we've grew up together. So, so <laughs> yeah, it's definitely pretty easy situation. Yeah. I mean, I hate you on a molecular level, but like, aside from that. Yeah. Oh my God, that's crazy. I hate you on a to- on an atomic level. Wow. God, see, we're so in sync. So. Oh, insane, one thing I was gonna ask, which is now insane. a fucking fail, because it's I'm gonna whatever. It's fine. What other shows were out at the time of this show? Do you know? Uh, yeah. So I I didn't write that down, but I did I did just look it up right before we started on my bid. Uh, a couple other shows that came out in 1998, 1998 rather. Uh, Sex in the City. Dawson's Creek, The King of Queens, Will and Grace, uh, uh, Whose Line Is It Anyway, which the the American version that is, mm-hmm. which is uh, not not really a similar show, but uh, I only wanted to mention it because it's another show we talked about. So mm-hmm. those are the shows that uh, on this list kind of pop out to me okay. that would be nice. sort of similar-ish. Yeah, for sure. Cool. So yeah, so uh, it, it came out during a, a good year. I mean, I'm just looking at all these shows: Queen of Queens, 1998 to 2007; Dawson's Creek, 1998 to 2003; Sex and the City, 1998 to 2004; Will and Grace, 1998 to current, 2020 actually, 2020 actually. But yeah, so so uh, a, a good year for shows, for TV shows. But I I think it's it's one of those things where if we're talking about a show, odds are it came out during a popular year because it was a popular show mm-hmm. and it was just a like, like those shows tend to come out together. I mean, we talked, we've talked about a lot of shows from 2004. Uh, we've now talked about two shows from 1998 and we've already got a couple more on our uh, schedule that, that we've set written down as good shows to talk about. Mm-hmm. So like, uh, yeah, it, it's true. just like we, we pick these years probably because unintentionally, though. they have we pick these years unintentionally because we think oh these are good shows and then we go back and find out oh that was just a big year for television in general so yeah. it's obviously going to have shows that are that we're going to talk about uh mm-hmm. so I, I think it's kind of like a chicken egg situation yeah no def- i definitely agree with that for sure all right do you want to get into some compare and contrast i mean we just did a fair amount of compare and contrast in it so just more so wrapping it up Wrapping this bitch up. Uh, cool. We found the the interesting <laughs> combination or the interesting, uh, for fuck's sakes. Uh, 
<laughs> similarities similarity well just the fact that like both of these were created by a person and then two siblings like no they weren't siblings bonnie and terry turner are husband and wife combo i'm so sorry fine it was it was then but they had another person right whatever yeah they yeah, had, yeah. They had bonnie person, and terry turner it was the guy that had the issue with yeah brazil who had the issue with judd apatow <laughs> the conflict with judd apatow guy. which is now the only thing i'm gonna <laughs> fucking know him for instead of being a creator of a show but well, whatever it is what it is apparently that's all wikipedia knows him for. yeah exactly so it's, don't blame me blame the research um honestly i would think that that 70s show or third rock from the sun would be a full Mm-hmm. section on his wikipedia it's page, really weird it's to me that at least that 70s show isn't so yeah either way two good shows one maybe a little bit more for its time and less uh evergreen um the other for us personally maybe because i grew up with it and maybe just because of of its relatability but it's more uh, well, I can't say relatable again, but <laughs> well, <laughs> it's it, it, yes, but, you can. Yes, you can. If you really want to <laughs> just be redundant. But no, I mean, one show we both kind of left the pilot episode being like, eh, I mean, I don't I and I have seen more of it, but we kind of left the pilot episode not being overly interested in watching more. And, you right. know, the other show a little bit more in our our realm of comedy and, and relatability for for that somebody show. So. Yeah, both. Good. I will say that both. After uh, after watching the first episode of Cheers, I'm more likely to if I saw it on uh, like television and I'm like just channel surfing, mm-hmm. I would stop at that channel to watch it. Whereas previously, I wouldn't. That's fair. so that that sort of changed because I'm like previously it's been like oh that's Cheers, it's an old show. I probably wouldn't get half the jokes. Yeah. Versus now, and even just after doing this podcast in general, I've had that sort of transition where it's like. You know, if I watched this show, uh, I would, or if I saw this show while channel surfing, I'd probably be more inclined to stop nowadays than I used to. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would do the same for that 70s show if it was actually on TV. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. It, it's, and I think you're right. I think the whole Netflix thing with that 90s show is is affecting its syndication. But um, hopefully it'll be somewhere free again soon. Um, well, not yeah, necessarily I, free, but I, I for subscription, because so it's it's um, a lot to add, to expect somebody to want to spend thirty dollars on one. Granted, it's not in reality because people spend twenty dollars on a movie that is a literal fraction of the length of content. But for some reason, with TV shows, a lot of people have a hard time spending spending that thirty bucks for, you know, a, a fifteen to twenty episode season. So, yeah. Well, and uh, it's funny you mention that because I was just talking to um, a friend of mine uh, or a friend of mine, a friend of mine's mother, mm-hmm. and she said that her son has been purchasing that 70s show by, by the season <laughs> on her account, uh, which I think is hilarious. <laughs> that is just the timing. Um, so there are some people who are willing to do it. Uh, I mean, I definitely believe there are some, there's definitely people, there, there's for sure it exists, but it, with the world we live in right now, it's less likely. Yes. So much less likely. And uh, yeah, who's to say it won't come back onto, I would be surprised if it doesn't come back onto a, yeah, a streaming service soon. I mean, Friends didn't uh, exist on a streaming service for a while and then HBO picked it up. So it was on Netflix was and then there was a hot Netflix minute movie. where, yeah. So I'm sure it'll come out again. Uh, ultimately, I I think that, it, it again. I'm always surprised. I'm like, 
you know, were these shows really that great to do together? And then you do the research and you watch the show and we go through the whole podcast and you're like, wow, these shows were great to do together. Yeah. Well, it's like, funny. My family was like, why are you doing these two together? And honestly, we were both kind of like, they're, I feel like the original reason we did them together is because one was a period piece set actually in its period, right? Kind of. Um, yeah. And the other was a period piece, but created earlier on. So I think part of the reason was that. Yeah, I mean, it was just, but but like we said, I mean, we come through, we come to do these podcasts, and we're like, yeah, we, they've got a few similarities, and then we do the research and we talk about it, and like, oh, okay, well, it was actually written by people that knew each other. They're uh, actually in the same cult somehow. Like, <laughs> I mean, obviously, I'm just joking, they're all but, Scientologists. It's crazy. Yeah, it, it a little crazy. less crazy, but. <laughs> But um, but yeah, but yeah, stuff like that that comes up. I love I love it when that stuff happens on this podcast. Same, samezies. All right, guys, thanks for listening. We appreciate every one of you for taking the time to do so. If you don't currently, go ahead and follow us on your podcasting platform of choice, as well as on Instagram at Back to the Pilot. If you think of a show that would be great for this podcast, leave a comment or send us an email to let us know. On the next episode, we get a little more sophisticated as we discuss Downton Abbey and Mad Men. As always, we hope you had a fantastic time listening, and we'll see you next time when we take you back to the pilot. So long, everyone. That was it. That was the one. That was it. That was there the you one. Go. Question. Yeah. It's good. That was a good one. No, I'm, I, so, I think, I'm uh, so excited for Down Abbey and Mad Men. I'm, I'm like, I think it's it's super exciting, but I have not watched either of those shows ever. Oh, like, on most of the time, I've seen at least be one good. episode, or I've heard more about these shows i think this will be a first where i've seen the entirety of both shows and you haven't seen either of them yeah i mean yeah i think that's that's definitely gonna be a first Mm -hmm. uh so i'm I'm excited nervous all of the above i'm excited Um,